0: now when Jesus saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and sat down his disciples came to him and he began to teach them he said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you.
1: Psalm 37, a psalm of David, page 563 in your Bibles, if you'd like to follow. Do not fret because of those who are evil, Or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger
2: Well, it gives me great pleasure to (laughs) introduce to us today, for the very first time, our new vicar, Simon Cansdale. Should we give him another round of applause? I think simon's absolutely great he's brilliant he's brilliant we already love him as a staff team he's fantastic and i hope you do too i'm sure you will do too can i pray for you simon before you speak father thank you so much for bringing simon and his wonderful family to our church Lord, thank you for how you have spoken and i just remember back to a year ago when we were praying for a new vicar for this church lord and how you have blessed us how you have given us simon Lord, I do pray for his ministry upon this church. Lord, that that you would bless that ministry. Lord, that you would use Simon for your glory. And Lord, I pray now for a double portion of your anointing over him now as he speaks. Lord, use him to expand this church, to expand your kingdom here in Winchester. And so I pray your blessing upon him now. Mm -hmm. Speak, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
3: Amen. Amen. Thank you, George, very much indeed. Uh, Well, those of you who don't know me at all, uh, a tiny bit of an introduction. Um, I am husband to Naomi, and uh, this next year will be a little bit weird for us because Naomi and Harry, our youngest, will be mostly based up in Amersham, uh, near where we used to live. Uh, Harry, our youngest, has got uh, his last year at school uh, to go, and so Naomi and Harry will be there uh, most of the time. I will be there a couple of days a week uh, and we will be down here sometimes at the weekends. So uh, do please be patient with us as we try and work uh, all of this out uh, but hopefully you will get to know uh, the family in time. We have two other kids. Uh, George, 21, uh, just finished uni and looking for work in London and Assie who's 19 and is doing her first year uh, at uh, Nottingham doing education. Uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you for all of you for the warmth and the integrity and the sincerity of welcome that we have enjoyed uh, since coming here. Uh, We really miss our old church community. We're in Chesham at the end of the Metropolitan Line for 11 and a half years. They were really, really happy years. And we didn't leave there because we were sad or bored or things weren't working. Um, We left there because we felt a very strong call of God to come here. And we will uh, endeavor uh, to honor that and to serve you wholeheartedly uh, in this community. I would also like to extend a particular thanks uh, to George and the staff team and Rod and James and Judith, who have been exemplary in welcoming us and making us feel uh, welcome here. And. Uh, are a lot of you. I think you probably all learned my name uh, by now, uh, but it may take a little longer for me to learn all of yours. Uh, so do please be patient uh, with me as we try to do that. Uh, but we are going to be looking this morning at the third of the Beatitudes, and that's what I'd like to do uh, now. Uh, so st- uh, that one, that appears automatically. How fantastic. And let's go uh, with this. This buzzes. It's amazing. So you should get feedback from it, which is uh, fantastic. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, I have a problem with the word meek. I wonder what immediately comes to your mind uh, when uh, you hear the word meek, and how pleased or not you would be if somebody called you meek. Probably here in church, that would be okay. So if George called you meek, uh, you'd take it. Uh, But if someone at work called you meek, uh, you might not be so happy. The word meek immediately, I think in our culture, has connotations of being wishy-washy, of being bland, and of being inoffensive. I can't think of many characters either on screen or or on the printed page who exemplify in a positive way the virtue of meekness. And then to, to, to top it all, you've got Charles Wesley's terrible lyrics Charles Wesley was a genius uh, but like all of us he had his bad moments and you may remember uh, this one gentle Jesus meek and mild look upon a little child I mean it's it's too awful for words (laughs) you know and, and you fear he had child in mind and he just wanted something to rhyme with it and so he picked out meek and mild does anybody here need or want a Savior who's meek and mild? We, we feel we don't. And many of us would feel one of the problems of the contemporary church is that Christians are actually soppy. That Christians, on the whole, lack backbone. And they're too shy and retiring and nervous. A number of times people have said to me, you know, I wish our bishops showed a bit more backbone. Backbone a bit more conviction, a bit more courage. So why is Jesus blessing the meek? Why would Jesus hammer this shocking announcement into the ground that there is blessing in meekness? Surely it would be better to say there's blessing in courage or blessing in faith or blessing in taking risks. So we need to think through what it means when Jesus says that we are meek. He's building on the foundations of the first two Beatitudes. When I'm poor in spirit, it means that I've come to be honest enough before God and before you, as we were just now in our confession, in acknowledging my brokenness. My self-sufficiency begins to melt away. When I mourn for my sin and selfishness, and the sin and selfishness in the world, I can begin to stop fooling myself that I'm perfect. Those first two Beatitudes are primarily about uh, us and God. And now the horizon opens up a bit. And now it's about knowing who I really am how do I treat others? How do I see others before God as well as myself? The word meek is used a lot in the Psalms. It's used of those who have humility and have trust in God. They're often in difficult straits. They, they may be vilified or hounded or betrayed. Or in today's Psalm, they may be fretting because everyone else seems to be doing much better than them but not, giving, uh, not uh, living God's way. But the meek in the Psalms are those who humbly choose to follow God, to trust in him. And God promises that he will lift up the meek, that they will be rewarded. Now, it's also used of domestic animals, maybe a horse or a dog, so an animal that's been tamed or domesticated or broken in. Not an animal that's been cowed or beaten, but one that now acknowledges a master. And so with uh, that horse or that dog or that animal, there is now strength, but it's under submission. Uh, There's joy, but it's in serving the master. And so to be meek is to trust in God, even in and especially in trying circumstances and to have given up trying to be king of our own universe. To be meek is to know that I have a Lord and a Savior. And before I have an opinion or make a plan or launch a strategy, I bow my knee before my Savior. Now, Numbers 12, verse 3, names Moses as the person who best characterizes meekness in the Old Testament. Moses being meek was seen in his refusal to defend himself when his person and his privilege were under attack. He wasn't concerned at those moments for his reputation, for his importance, or for his standing. He wasn't protective of his image. He knew that he'd been called to be a servant of God, and he gave that primary place in his life. Now, wouldn't you like to be free to be free of being so sensitive to the slights and the disappointments and the letdowns that you face every week? Wouldn't you like to be able to trust God with your whole self and not be worrying that actually maybe you need to give God a helping hand or, or advise him on the finer points of your life? Wouldn't you like to trade in your smugness for some humility. Sensodyne toothpaste famously helps those who have sensitive teeth, but that's nothing, is it, compared to how sensitive we are to other people who challenge us, or who put us down, or who question our integrity. We so want to be first, to be special, to be singled out, to be highly valued, to be considered, quite frankly, to be amazing people. What an agony our sensitive spirits undergo. But of course, it's Jesus himself who is the clearest and most defined picture of what it is to be meek. And that's what he says, "'Come to me, all you who are weary.'" and burdens and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and that that phrase humble in heart is the same word as we have uh, in the beatitudes for meek so jesus calls himself gentle and meek and tells us that in him we will find rest in our souls for his yoke is easy and his burden is light Now, does Jesus strike you as a wishy-washy pushover? As someone who was so heavenly-minded that he was of no earthly use? Of course he was not. He was humble. He was incredibly gentle with the broken and the lost. He was sensitive. He was patient. He was unflustered when people took against him. He was merciful and he was forgiving. That's what it means to be meek. We learn from our Savior. And Jesus was angry about the right things and forgiving and not bothered about the wrong things. Whereas for most of us, the exact opposite is true. We are bothered by the trivia and the insignificant, and we are not angry, righteously angry, about the things that anger God. That's what it means to be meek. Jesus showed force of character held in place by submission to God. He showed the strength to persevere in the face of unjust suffering and mockery and bad people seeming to get away with it. That's what it means to be meek. So the first question today is, do you want to be meek? Do you trust Jesus that there is blessing in being meek? strikes me that meekness is one of those virtues that we wish others would have, uh, but we aren't so keen uh, on having ourselves. It's the kind of virtue that we long for our husband to have more of, uh, or our mother-in-law, but not really me. So do you want to be meek? You need to decide. God can't help you to be meek unless you ask him. But as we finish, why is there blessing in being meek? Uh, Jesus, quoting uh, almost directly from Psalm 37 that uh, Mike read for us, summarizes the blessing of being meek as uh, the following. He said this, uh, the meek will inherit the earth. I'm not sure that helps us immediately. Uh, what does inherit the earth mean? In Psalm 37, that Mike read for us, we overhear the struggle that meekness and humility bring to us as the children of God. The psalmist sees people all around them who ignore God and insult God, and they make progress in life by putting their own needs before everyone else's. The psalmist looks around them, and he sees that people are always plotting and angry, And convinced that with aggression and self-promotion, they will get what they want. Well, that's not changed. But you may bristle to hear it. But in fact, that's how many of us live life. And in reality, that's how many of us advise our children and our grandchildren to live life. Put yourself first. Your interests, your dreams, your ambitions... Put those first. If someone gets in the way, you need to push them aside. Now, you wouldn't say that to George at the door, but you might say it subtly and dressed up a little bit It's your children or your grandchildren. And you might think as you go back to your place of work, that meekness sort of works in a church environment, but it can never work in a, work environment where to be meek is simply to be trod on and overlooked and undermined but if you're meek says jesus and says the psalms you will see things differently and what you will particularly see differently is that to be self-serving is ultimately self-defeating to be self-serving is ultimately self-defeating the earth or the land, was in the Old Testament the symbol, the focus of God's promises to Israel. And they had to learn again and again and again that those promises would come true, not by military conquests, not by strategic genius, but through humility and trust in God. And the same, says Jesus, is exactly the same for us, and that is where the blessing lies, we will be the heirs of Christ because we trust him and love him and worship him. As heirs of Christ, we will want to be like him humble, gracious, sensitive, gentle, not defensive about our own reputations or fighting our way to the top. In my experience, the meek are actually more content than the grasping. Meek people trust God, and they want to serve him and gladly use their gifts. And so they're already ready to receive and enjoy the gifts of God, and they're able to wonder at the beauty of the gift, not grasp or demand or continually hunger for what they think they deserve. Meek people are content because they think and know they already have so much. But Jesus puts the focus of the blessing in the future. There is blessing in being meek, because being self-serving is ultimately self-defeating. There is blessing in being meek, because striving for adulation and power and prestige and privilege, those are the very surest ways to lose our soul. One day, says Jesus, the patience of the meek will be rewarded. It will be an inheritance made possible through the death of the giver. It will be a blessing because it's then given its true glory and beauty and power through the resurrection of the giver. There will be a new heaven. And a new earth. And with pride of place will be those who, knowing their own hard hearts and having lived in humility and dependence before God, and have taken genuine joy in putting the needs of others before their own. See, to be meek is not only to understand that my spirit is broken and that I mourn for my sin and the sin of the world. And that I'm still loved by God. It's also to recognize that exactly the same is true of other people. The people that annoy me. The people that vex me. The people who don't agree with me. The people who look different to me. We begin to realize in learning to be meek, yes, every single person is broken in spirit. Yes, every single person is a sinner but also every single person is loved by God. Every single person has a savior who was sent into the world to rescue them too. So as I navigate my way around this world, I know myself, I know other people, I have no false expectations that they will be saints, they will be perfect, that they will always treat me as I deserve to be treated. But I also know that all of us live in a world created and hallowed by God, that he loves and he redeems. And so in the light of all of those things, it becomes slowly a joy to be meek, a joy to be sensitive and understanding and gentle, a joy to push down the clamor in my own soul, for recognition and adulation and success and be content at simply to serve God and love other people lavishly. I pray that you and I have a meek week. Amen.